Welcome to the Operate Intelligently podcast. I'm Brian McDonald at Dude Solutions. Today joining me is Paul Lachance, Senior Manufacturing Advisor with Dude Solutions. Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to be here. And Paul, we got a great topic today. Uh, it's a very hot topic, um, not just in our industry, but uh, in general, and that is the Internet of Things. And of course, the Internet of Things, uh, also known as IoT, you know, involves a lot of different things. And what the, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, you've got a manufacturing background and I've worked some in manufacturing. And I remember, you know, early on, manufacturing industrial networks were really just about recording data and collecting data. But now with the Internet of Things, they're kind of taking that to a whole new level. And, and how can other industries kind of learn from what manufacturing has done in this area and, and use it to benefit their facilities in other areas? Well, collecting data in a manufacturing facility, whether it being from production assets or from buildings, has been around a long time. A lot of it was proprietary type networks that lived within those facilities and uh, would collect data, typically metrics around production or alarm type situations. It was all proprietary though to the network. The Internet of Things is very similar in concept However, now you're making it a lot easier because the data is going to be moving through the cloud. You don't have to necessarily go through proprietary networks to get to that type of information. So whether it's data from your manufacturing production assets or distribution systems, the same concept carries over to your facility, uh, your HVAC systems, your fleet vehicles, anything that can have metrics broadcast from those assets and collected in our case, for the betterment of your maintenance operations, it's applicable to really any industry. But the concept of IoT and collecting that data has been around a long time, uh, really with a strong background around HVAC. So that really covers any industry that has assets that need to be monitored. Yeah, and I know probably the most common example people know is like the Nest home thermostat. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's I guess that's one touch point where you know, we, we've got a device that's that's collecting data, and based off what we tell it to do, it can make changes, as well as control it remotely. And I think that's uh, one of the other key points you said, how these were kind of closed networks. Unless you were there on site and plugged into them, you really couldn't do much. Um, now we have just huge flexibility in being able to monitor and control remotely. Uh, the data's in the cloud. We have smart devices that give us uh, so much level of control. And I agree with you. These devices... First off, they're a lot easier to find these devices. Their costs are lower because they don't have to go through the proprietary network like a Nest device. You can put them where you need to have them and through Wi-Fi and through the internet, the ability to control them bi-directionally becomes a heck of a lot easier. Mm -hmm. There are all kinds of similar industrial type sensors that can be retrofit even in older environments that can be controlled in a similar manner as a, a Nest type device for that bi-directional control. Yeah, and that's interesting. I know when, when I did some early work on industrial networks, one of the, the breakthroughs was getting these bit-level devices mapped to a byte-level device. And uh, I remember when one of the integrators told me that, that kind of, you know, you had to remember back of like, oh, yeah, these, these things are simple on-off devices. But now we've gone so much beyond that. So how do companies really kind of get started with IoT? First off, you need to find the right expertise to help analyze what you have within your facility. So, you know, so some facilities are brand new. Your assets are new. The HVAC, the production assets, they were just installed in the last year, two years, three years. 
In newer environments, there's a high probability that the assets that you've installed have connectivity built into them. There's already data that likely can be broadcast. The challenge is to find out how to access that information. And it, and it, it takes some expertise to do that. So whether an organization has an in-house controls engineer who was part of the setup of that environment that can know that data is there and can harness that data to some consolidated environment, or do you have to rely on a partner who can come in and analyze? It's nice to think that we can go out and buy a bunch of, we use the Nest examples, and just plug them in and place them all around your organization. And there, in some cases, you can do that, but it still takes a level of expertise to analyze the assets you currently have, what could they provide in terms of alarms and metrics. If the assets are older, and we have some clients that have assets that might be 100-year-old, could be Mm steam-powered assets that are completely mechanical with very little electronics on it, maybe have a little gauge on it or something. But even those older devices can be retrofit with more modern sensor technology that does not have to rely on a proprietary network that can use the cloud, can use the internet, it's part of the internet of things, that can broadcast those metrics. What we advise our clients to do is you need to have some expertise in that area um, that can analyze the assets you have, find out what you can get at, and bring that data back to a consolidated location so you can act upon the information that's being tracked. But you, know, you gotta start, it's a journey. You gotta start off on the basics. In many cases, some of these modern assets, it's relatively simple to start extracting data off of that and tie it in with other systems. For your older assets, it may take more effort, including the retrofitting, but it is a process that you work through. We believe in phases, you know, baby steps start to go a little more advanced. Ultimately, though, when you start to retrieve that data, that's where it can really pay off in terms of superior maintenance. Are you looking for a way to get inspired about your work as a facility or operations professional? Join us at our annual Maintenance and Operations Conference, Dude University in Raleigh, North Carolina, May 5th through 8th, 2019. You'll be able to attend educational sessions about your day-to-day work, meet professionals from across the country that work in your and other industries, and enjoy food, friends, and fun in the Dude's hometown. If you register this year, you can take advantage of our all-inclusive Dude deal. Learn more and register online at university2019.com. And for companies that are investing in this technology, like what are some of the immediate benefits as well as maybe long-term benefits they're going to see off of it? Well, the immediate benefits, if you're able to harness that IoT data off those assets, the two primary use cases are alarm conditions. The asset is in distress. The asset needs help, maybe right away. And to have those work orders, and that's what it translates to in a CMMS system, to have that work order auto-populate in your system that your, your asset is in distress, that it need, maybe it's down, maybe it's about to go down, but to not have a human have to identify that right away, it's identified directly in your maintenance operations software. Good maintenance operations software is going to do automatic notification to the appropriate people, be it a technician or a production supervisor or a building manager. Uh, if it's your HVAC, but to have that happen without humans having to discover there's a problem, have it happen automatically, and then let the maintenance operation software kick in to do what it does best. It's just you take the, the human hands out of creating the work where it's faster, it's more accurate. The other use case is more usage type information, uh, other metrics 
such as um, oh, condition-based monitoring, things like how clean are the fluids, how many hours does this asset run, how many widgets have you produced. Those types of usage-related metrics can indicate that you need to perform more preventive-type maintenance well in advance of when you need to do it. And that can ultimately replace a more calendar-based system. So one of the short-term benefits of this is calendar-based maintenance is great. We, we, we always recommend you have a solid preventive maintenance plan at minimum on a, on a regimented routine. But if you can have the assets tell you based on their actual usage when you need to maintain them, that can be a lot more accurate. And that can really translate into improved savings, such as, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to just uh, requisition people and, and take the parts when it doesn't make sense. You're doing it when you really need to do it. So those immediate benefits can, can be very helpful profitability-wise or cost savings to, to our clients. Yeah, I mean, I, as you were saying that, what I was thinking is like, you know, inventory can be such a big drain on, on a company's finances. And so the less time you have stock parts or replacement parts sitting in your inventory, you're saving money. So you're getting more of that true just-in-time ordering. Yeah, and, and that's an excellent point. A combination of the benefits of a maintenance CMMS type system to know when accurately you need to do your maintenance and then to, at that point, notify somebody like a parts procurement person you're going to need the parts or to automatically have a some sort of requisition created the parts you're going to need a just-in-time system is fantastic mm -hmm. so the combination of the quick notification on an intelligent fashion coupled with other benefits of a CMS you know maintenance operation system to help you with your parts ordering of finding the right technician to do the work mm -hmm. who's available at that time with the right skill set all the other parts together it's where you really start to optimize your maintenance operations, which can be great from a, again, from a profitability or from a cost-saving standpoint um, if you're not a for-profit, for sure. So, Paul, that's a great example. I wonder if you could expand a little bit more on that ROI. There's an example that I like to use where the ROI can really kick in. And first off, I'll say right off the bat, more preventive maintenance is better than not enough preventive maintenance. But in some cases, it's possible to do too much preventive maintenance if you're doing it on a calendar basis. So an example that I'll use, let's, we're gonna use a manufacturing example uh, for this one, but it, it really translates to uh, facilities or, or non-manufacturers as well. So say for example, you're doing a monthly PM on an asset. And let's just say it's an expensive, large asset that you have to do, and you're doing it 12 times a year. And you do that PM, when you do it, you've gotta take the asset down you got to shut it off to do the PM, which means I can't make the product that I need to make. So there's a cost to that organization to shut that asset down. You also have the parts and the labor that you need to do. And you, you, you could calculate, what does that cost me to maintain that thing 12 times a year? And you got to do the maintenance. Don't, I'm not trying to say otherwise. If you fast forward to an IoT-enabled environment where instead of every 4.5 weeks, once a month, that you're doing that maintenance, if the asset's telling you based on how often it's running that maybe you only have to do it every six or seven weeks, not once a month, but more like a month and a half, you do the math. Instead of 12 times a year, whatever you add up those costs, I'm really doing it eight times a year. That's four times a year less. I no longer have lost the production abilities of that asset four more times a year. I'm not using the parts. I'm not using the labor. And I'm getting just as accurate 
maintenance performed on that asset. It, it should run just as well, but I have, it, I have it available more often. I have less unplanned downtime. So this translates to real profit savings if you are a manufacturer. If you're not a manufacturer, if it's more of a facility situation, I still have to maintain those assets. I still have to climb on the roof or my, my contractor has to climb on the roof to, to work on that HEVAC units. I have to still shut it down, which is going to impact the experience of the people in that building in that area. You're doing it less, so but you're still getting the solid uh, maintenance that that asset needs to do. So again, I'm not advocating doing less maintenance unless you can do it intelligently. And when you can, that that creates great savings for an organization. Yeah, I agree, and I think you're right in that. With the manufacturer, it's very easy to say, okay, when when we have to stop the production line, and we know we're losing so much, but I think for governments and schools and, and other uh, companies and, and organizations that, yeah, when they have to shut that facility down, that, that can have a huge impact as well within their community, within their kind of ecosystem. You know, because, I mean, as we know, just a school shutting down for an afternoon unexpectedly, the whole air conditioning system goes out and it's, and it's too hot, kind of train wrecks. It's almost a, a domino effect throughout the community. The parents have to take off work. Um, other considerations have to be made. So I think, uh, I think it is really good for other organizations to realize that it, it keeps their facilities running smoothly and saves them on the bottom line through that initial investment. Yeah, I totally agree. And if you if you take like take a we'll take a school for example, you may be on a calendar basis to maintain some HVAC year round. You may be asked to go in and maintain an asset at a time of year where that that asset's not even being used, but you're performing maintenance on that asset as if it's being used. Fast forward to an IoT enabled more of a predictive or usage-based environment where that asset's not going to tell you to maintain it until it needs to be maintained. And so that will be better. Um, it's just a better way, a more intelligent way of performing that maintenance. So I want to ask you about kind of your parting guidance on companies looking to get into the Internet of Things. Uh, with any popular topics, there can be a lot of noise out there. And so sometimes... I know our listeners and others might be sitting out there saying, you know, well, you know, I know maybe the, the low-hanging fruit, but what are some what are some kind of the hidden, you know, kind of traps that going into this organizations might face? Well, first off, I'll, I'll tell you that it's a hot topic. I mean, you said it yourself. It is a hot topic. It, it gets a lot of press, and there's a lot of information flying around, which may give organizations some anxiety. Do I jump on this? Do I need to get on this right away? I'm here to tell you that. The IoT uh, and enabling that data to drive superior maintenance is uh, going to be around for a long time. We're seeing a shift in how maintenance gets done when you go from calendar to more usage and alarm-oriented. But you don't need to rush to do it. There, there is time. Your CMS operations software partner should be able to handle that data when your organization, when your facility, when your assets are able to deliver that data uh, so you can act upon it. You really need to take a holistic approach at all of the assets that you want to monitor. You have to take a holistic approach at how you're going to get the data off of that. And you're very likely going to need some expertise to help you do that. We are not yet at the point where you can just go out and buy a bunch of um, sensors and just start duct taping them to your assets and expect you to have an IoT-enabled, more predictive, usage-based a system. Maybe someday we'll get there, but there's still time. 
And, and there's expertise that you can draw upon through your, 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 your maintenance operation software partner or your control engineer or through consultants that can come in and analyze, first, what do I have? What data can I get today? How do I get it back to a central location? How do I tie it into my systems? But I always caution people from, say, jump right into this, feet first, and rush to this. You have time. You have time to think this through because ultimately you do want all of your assets to participate in this. You want to grab um, as much data as you can to drive the maintenance. You don't want to be overwhelmed. This can be an overwhelming topic. It is still very early in this uh, evolution that we're seeing in maintenance. But it's here for it's going to be here for a long time, and eventually it'll become commonplace. For now, I would continue to to read up on it. I would look at having some assessments done within your facilities to see what data is there, what you might need to retrofit. Work with your manufacturing operations CMMS partner to see can they handle how that data could come in and drive that maintenance operation. But look at it in phases. You know that sort of uh, crawl walk. Eventually, you will be running, but uh, you need to start somewhere but you still have time. This is going to be around for a, for a long while. So I think that's some great advice you have out there for organizations getting into it. And uh, I couldn't agree more. I've seen it in the same with, with in my area with digital technology. It's, uh, you, you try to do it all at once. It's, it's very hard to do. So I want to thank Paul coming in today to talk about the Internet of Things. We'll have some links in the show notes if you want to learn a little bit more. Uh, and until next time, thank you for joining us on the Operate Intelligently podcast. Thank you for listening to the Operate Intelligently podcast. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a review, and you can even email us at dspodcast at dudesolutions.com.